So I think if you're an introvert and you lack confidence and it's something that you really want to build, I think you want to create opportunities for small wins. First, you have to start. But do one thing at a time, just one thing. Practice that. Focus on that. And then embrace your strengths with it. Because I know as an introverted leader, I can't ever say that I hated public speaking. It's just I didn't do it. But as an introverted leader, you have to be able to speak in public. You don't have to be a public speaker, but you do have to be able to speak in public. Hello. And welcome to episode 156 of the Quiet and Strong podcast, especially for introverts. I'm your host, David Hall, and the creator of quietandstrong.com. It's a weekly podcast dedicated to understanding the strengths and needs of introverts. Introversion is not something to fix, but to be embraced. Normally, we'll air each episode on a Monday. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform. Leave a review. That would mean a lot to me. Tell a friend about the podcast. Help get the word out there that introversion is a beautiful thing. Deborah Bell Campbell is the owner and lead consultant of Inspired Visions Consulting Group, LLC, and co-owner of Two Paths, One Leader, LLC. Inspired Visions Consulting provides customized leadership training, mental health training, and strategic planning consultation to private and government agencies through workshops, seminars, and one-on-one consultations. As one of the most sought-after introverted women leadership experts, Deborah is an MBTI certified practitioner, leadership and master life coach, national certified counselor, wellness strategist, six-time best-selling author, and international speaker. She is the leadership expert who empowers introverted career women to leverage their introversion and elevate by incorporating five key pillars, authenticity, confidence, visibility, networking, and goal setting. Deborah specializes in cultivating essential strategies and enhancing skills development to empower frontline leaders to move into mid-level leadership positions. All right. Well, welcome to the Quiet and Strong podcast, Deborah. Deborah, it's so great to have you on today. Thank you, David. I'm glad to be here. You do some great work around introversion, especially inspiring introverted women leaders. We're going to talk about all that but first, let's hear a little bit more about your journey. You know, tell us your story and how you went from being an introvert to now helping other introverts. Okay, absolutely. So, as you said, I am Deborah Bell Campbell, and just to to just kind of let everybody know who I am. So, I'm a daughter. I'm a mother. I'm a sister. I'm a partner, and I'm a boss, and I'm an introverted leader. And so what I do is I empower introverted women in leadership to leverage that introversion and elevate. And we do that by helping them command their confidence, accentuate their authenticity, vocalize their visibility and nurture their networks. So those four pillars really just kind of help people um, along the way, especially if you're seeking, because I'm a mid-level leader. So if you're seeking promotion, if you're seeking uh, elevation, that's what I do. I help women leaders get where they want to go in terms of um, promotional opportunities and just elevation. So I am number eight of 12. 
siblings. All from all from the same extraordinary mom and dad, God rest their souls. Um, so you can imagine that growing up, I kind of got lost, lost in the sauce, as they say, um, being number eight. And yeah, I'm so, three of nine, so I can kind of relate. We didn't have 12, but three of nine. So I, I understand. Yeah. So you understand. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so just kind of standing out or trying to stand out, you know, number eight is in the middle. I'm not the oldest. I'm not the youngest. Any of that good stuff. So I had to figure out me. Right. And so that became I became like the, the nerdy, smart one, pretty much. Didn't get into a whole lot of trouble or anything like that. And so um, college was wonderful. Finished college, it was wonderful. My first job really is when I started noticing I did really, really well as a licensed therapist. And I, I did counseling for about for about six years, enjoyed it immensely. But it was a lot of one-on-one interaction where I excelled at because apparently I didn't know that my my core was introversion. I just know that I've never been the chit-chat kind of person. Like if you say, I, I want to call and chat with you a bit, that's almost a guarantee that we are not going to have a conversation. Just the word <laughs> chit-chat. It kind of shut me down a bit. Oh yeah. no, we're not going to chit-chat. But if you say we're going to have a meeting, I can do meetings <laughs> uh, or, you know, but chit chats and hang out. No. So I started to, I started to recognize that. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I just don't want, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. Right. Um, but I started to see that things were a little bit differently. The way I look at things were differently. The way I interpreted just conversation was a little bit differently. So I spent some time after being a therapist, um, doing something different. I was like, okay, let me do something different. And that's when I just kind of learned, okay, I got to communicate because I thought I was pretty clear, but apparently I wasn't because the person I'm speaking with is coming back. Um, so I embarked upon this journey of, okay, so let's, let's recognize what these differences are like, cause I'm, we're communicating differently and I don't think we're understanding each other. So why is that? Right. I would say in the last Probably the last 10 years is when I started. But after my father's death, it's really um, it's really when I started to, to blossom in terms of embracing exactly who I am. And I'll say the way my father passed, how that happened. My, my mom had passed away December 2014. Um, we had some time to just kind of grieve her loss because she was in the hospital for a while. And then my dad just, we just said he just died. Like he had a heart attack, of course, but it was eight months after her. And we knew that he wasn't, um, that there was some depression there. He just was a little bit different, but he wasn't sick. Right. So it was, it was a little bit, it was definitely a little bit strange and even more strange my, I usually take my son down to, uh, you know, at the time I would take him down to Alabama because we live in, in Florida, take him down to Alabama for the summer. He spend the summer with, you know, everybody. And so that particular summer, I was the last daughter. I was the last child that he had not seen that summer. Right. And so I was it. I got there that Thursday I ran into his room to say hi and, you know, all that good stuff. And he was laying on the bed with his face 
facing the wall. Now he never, t- he said hi, but he never turned to face me. And I thought, wow, that's that's pretty odd, right? But I kept talking. I was excited to see him. I was excited to see everybody else as well. I talked a little bit more and then I left. And that Friday morning, I'm laying across the bed. I hear all of the screaming at the front of the house, just yelling. And I mean, everybody was there. A lot of um, my nieces and nephews, it was a lot of people in the house. And so I ran into the front of the room and I saw him slumped over in his favorite rocking chair. And oh my goodness, immediately, because, you know, I'm certified CPR instructor. And so I'm I'm immediately just kind of taking charge, get the kids out of, you know, get the kids across the street. Somebody called 911, got my nephews to get my dad onto the floor. And that's where I perform CPR um, on him until, until rescue arrived. And being certified in CPR, of course, I knew, I knew when he was, when he was gone. By the time they got there, he was already gone. Um, But I continued to do, because I know that's what you have to continue to do um, the 30 compressions, the two breaths. And so just in that, in that moment, in that process, I just started to think about all, you know how you think about all the things that you didn't do, or you didn't get a chance to say, just like, it's so final, like, this is it. That there were no more opportunities. And I just thought about all those times where I could have spoke up, all those things that I could have shown up, places I could have shown up at home with, with family, just things, right? And I just decided, I was like, you know what? I'm okay, just the way I am. I became more visible. I began to just release a lot of that self-doubt about who I was and who I was expected to be. And I would say from that moment on, I started to build and embrace more and more of who I was and really just tried to figure out more and more, hence the MBTI, Um, just learning more about that preference assessment, the personality assessment, looking at some of the others and just kind of finding my fit. And all of it just started to make sense. I was like, oh, well, this I do this, this, this. Um, And once I did the assessment, I was like, wow pretty spot on for me. Um, So I took that information and just really just started to look at people a little bit differently. And not not just kind of, um, not to say, oh, you are this or you are that. Um, But just to say, I understand, I see these characteristics here. I see these characteristics there. And just to explore more, one-on-one, of course. So that's kind of how I got to where I'm at. Thank you for sharing your story. And I guess that's part of the next question is, so was the MBTI, the Myers-Briggs, was that a turning point for you? Is that how you came up with the word introversion? Or how did you come up with, yes, I'm an introvert? I want to say that probably, you know, I never really thought about it. I just said I was, you know, we all are different, really. But I just always called it different. It was good to see to put the words to it based off of um, characteristics, I would say, yeah, that just kind of got me started. Um, I am a, I am one of those, I won't say I'm a bookworm, but I do like to dabble with different things. So I've, I've seen it somewhere before because, you know, sociology, psychology as majors, um, 
master's in counseling psychology. So I've seen all of that. But when you're in school, you know, you're doing just enough to do what you need to do to get by until you get that first job and realize that none of that stuff matters. Now I got to do the real life stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, they didn't teach me any of this. And yeah, they did. I just, I didn't comprehend it that way when I was in school. Um, but yeah, I, I went back. It started to ring a bell. And I was like, well, let me look more into it. Like now I'm intentional. Now I'm focused. And it just kind of, the Myers-Briggs just kind of put the, it put the name to the terms and it just seemed like, okay, I resonate with this. I resonate with it. Yeah. What's your Myers-Briggs type? I bet you can guess. Oh, um, I-S-T-J. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm an I-N-T-J. So oh. sim- similar, similar. Did you say I-S-T-J? I-S-T-J. Now I can okay. tell you that there's all, there's been, um, my T and my F was always a little bit, it's a little bit closer. Um, my preference is more on the thinking side, even though I'm a filler, but I'm not a touchy filler. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I, I lean more, my preference is more toward the thinking. Like it, it has to make sense to me, David. Like when people ask the question, do you eat rice pudding? I said, there's no reason for rice to be in a pudding. So that doesn't make sense to me. When we think about, I always talk about things have to, it has to be rational and it has to make sense. And rice pudding don't make sense to me at all. So I'm more of the, I'm more on the thinking side. I, and some yeah. people are thinking too hard about that, Deborah. I'm like, no, not really. I don't eat it. I'm not going to eat it because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so. Yeah, I get accused of thinking too much too. I'm definitely, uh, <laughs> I'm not in the middle on that particular one. But, you know, Myers-Briggs was really instrumental for me because like a lot of my guests come on and say something like, I thought something was wrong. That was me too. I thought something was wrong. I got certified in the Myers-Briggs and there's a longer story behind it besides that. And that and some other things I did, it's like, oh, these are natural gifts for me. They're not going to change, but I sure can embrace them. And so the Myers-Briggs was something. And, you know, if the people that are listening aren't familiar, we do have some other episodes going more deeply into it. But also one thing I really like about it, it's not just about introversion, extroversion, because all introverts and extroverts aren't the same. You know, we have different gifts, like you may be more of a thinker, you may be more of a feeler, you may be more big picture details. There's all kinds of things like that. And so I, th- I thought it was really helpful. But I think you were also saying just a bit ago, it's not like, okay, now you're this. It's like, no, it's it's a tool to really help you see some of the things about yourself. But we're so nuanced as people. We, you know, none of us are exactly the same. Absolutely. And it's, it's more about um, not boxing people in. Like yeah. sometimes when people say, when I say things like, okay, I'm an ISTJ. Okay, that's a type. It's a preference. Yeah. I said, but it's not a, it's not a box in. I'm not a hard this or a hard that. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. So I can be, I can be talkative and outgoing. It's just different. It's just different yeah. than it is for someone who may be extroverted. Right. But it gives you some tools to think about, oh, okay, I do need that. Or that is my strength. I, I say in my last episode, it was, it was like so many people are just after the label you know, introvert, extrovert, or some people say ambivert. I'm more like, you know what, what's behind the label? You know, that's what's yes. really important, you know? Yes, I completely agree. So what would you say is a strength or two because you're an introvert? I have 
this attention to detail. Now, of course, sometime to my own detriment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and, I, and, I, and I'll be fully transparent, like just preparing for our interview here, just the questions, and I know it's unscripted, but all at the same time, I got to go through each of those questions. I got to go through them. I got to think about it. And then I had to just kind of decide how much of detail do I really need to give with that? But it's those things, though. It's those qualities. When you think about being a leader, paying attention to the details, because sometimes that's what happens in leadership, period, is that people feel as if the leader doesn't see me or they don't understand us, so to speak, or, or the, the little people, so to speak, um, because it could be that one detail, those little things. And so I've had friends and colleagues to say, okay, Deborah, can you review this? Okay, if you don't mind, can you look at this? And and so I'll review it, but I do review it with that sense of detail, being real, real detail-oriented, and then ask the questions, like, by this did you mean blah, blah, blah? By this, or are we talking about this and that? Um, so I think that's a really, really good quality, because uh, sometimes people overlook the, you know how they say, don't sweat the small stuff? We sweat the, I sweat the small stuff. I find the small stuff, you know, in a sense. And so just kind of bring it, bring it out so that people can, so we can at least have a conversation about it. Doesn't mean that it's going to go my way or it's going to be added or, or not added. It just means let's have a conversation about it because I don't want us to overlook this particular fact. Yeah. And somebody's got to sweat the small stuff, you know? Somebody. And, and I do, but you might more than me. And that might be just a really good, someone might be looking more at the big picture and the details and both are so important. You know, you got to have oh, both. And oh, so yeah. there can be some great partnerships there. Introverts or extroverts can do details, but with your introversion, you can really focus like you're saying. But in order to use that gift, you have some needs, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I am... And I know, I know we use self-care. Sometimes we use it a little loosely. And, you know, 2020, after COVID, we, everybody wants the self-care. When I think of self-care, as an introverted person, I'm talking about doing the inner work as much as doing the outer stuff. So sure, I like my nails done. I like to, you know, get a facial and a massage. And all, I like all the outside stuff. But I really, really embrace the inner stuff. So I like to walk. And I so self-care is walking to me. But that walking gives me so many opportunities. One, to reflect. Um, two, it gives me the opportunity to just kind of think out some things. Um, a lot of times, where am I, what, where do I want to go next? What kinds of things do I want to talk about that I think are important for introverted leaders? I do that while I'm walking. While I'm walking, I'm thinking about, wow. And I'll give you an example. The other day, I um, and it's Florida, so it's always hard to tell. You know, the weather is all weird most of the time. Um, and that was this blooming tree. Like, and I, it had to be in at least 40 degrees out. So it, it wasn't, freezing weather but it was it was really you know really low temperature and it, the blooms were just so beautiful so I'm walking by the I'm walking by because sometimes I just do a I do a circle or something um and I'm looking at the bloom and I'm thinking wow like if 
if this flower can bloom in this type of these type of conditions, the tree just keep going. It doesn't ask permission to bloom. It doesn't, it just blooms. And this weather is not typically when that happens. So then I equate that to sometimes in our growth as an introverted leader, sometimes you just have to keep going. Embrace the fact that, okay, I may not, I'm not going to be the one that's talking all the time, but I can, well, I can do some damage with this pen. Like I can write some things that are thought provoking, that's going to help you to think and go, oh, but it's those unique things about you. So I, I need that solitude. I need to walk. I need to, to think. And sometimes people are, Deborah, can I walk with you? You know, and I don't be well. I just look at them because I'm like, no, that's Deborah's time. <laughs> <laughs> that's Deborah's time. And yeah. so I create opportunities. I create opportunities for us to walk together. But then I prepare myself, knowing that that's going to be my walk with my buddy. We're going to walk, and that's it. That's not Deborah time. That's going to be our time to just kind of converse. Because when it's Deborah time, I'm it, it's a lot going on. Like I, I got to think about stuff. I got to, you know recharge just a little differently yeah yeah definitely we got to recharge we need time to think and yeah. it's brilliant and sometimes people don't understand that i had uh, somebody on the show and it sounded like she regularly took a hike with a friend but sometimes she needed exactly what you described and you know her friend was like kind of offended like oh you're going on a hike can I come, you know, and, and right. you know, it's like, sometimes, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say, you know what, I love you, but I need this for me. I need this for us actually, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. So it just create, I create those opportunities because, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm a loner and to a certain degree, but I enjoy, I enjoy my friends. I enjoy the people in my circle. So I just have to create those opportunities where we have those type of conversation like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm walking. I'm solo on this one. Let's schedule, let's schedule time so we can get together and go do that. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. We're going to talk about myths in a second, but, you know, definitely a myth that I bust is, of course, we like people. We just need some kind of nice balance where we have time to think. And, you know, when we're talking about a time alone, there's a lot of talk about introverts need to recharge. Yes, that's true but we need time alone for what you're talking about, you know, to think if I'm going to give a presentation or a speech, I do best just like that with some time alone, letting the ideas roll around in my head. And I come up with things that way. It's important to lay those out, those, you know, those boundaries, like, Hey, you know what? I need to spend some time alone. It was crazy with before the pandemic, I was used to going in the office every day. And then when I started just working solely from home, I realized, Oh, I don't miss driving. I don't miss gas and all that. But I, this was my drive time was something for me. My drive time was my thinking time. And I missed yeah. that. Yeah. And I had to figure out how do I replace that? You know? And so I kind of made a joke with my wife. It's like, all right, I'm driving home now. And that just meant I was going to walk from my office at home to my bedroom where I have a recliner and just chill out for a minute and then, you know, go have dinner or whatever. But just make that space between work and home where I could relax, maybe think about some things, but, and, you know, and then go hang out with my family. I love my family. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's fun. Now I've, we were still in business because our, our wonderful people reside there until they don't. Yeah, right. Right. And so 
I did get the opportunity to just kind of go into the office three days a week. And I agree with you. That was, in a sense, it was like I was grieving the time lost because I have a 30 minute commute to yeah. work. It's a, it's a straight shot, but it's a 30 minute commute. And a lot of times people are like, so, so what do you do? I said, look, I love audio books. I don't listen to them every day. I like music. I don't listen to that every day. I said, some days I just, it's just me and the road. I said, in that process, I'm just mentally preparing myself um, for the work ahead. Like, you know, kind of going over my head a little bit about what needs to happen for today. And then sometimes it's just a pure bliss. It's just quiet. And I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's needed. I agree. A lot of times on the way in, I'll listen to things like podcasts or audiobooks. And on the way home, it might be music or it might just be quiet, you know? So yeah, yeah I, I relate very much. Yeah. I just busted one myth. Is there any other myths that you want to bust about introverts? Oh, David, you know, I got to talk about why people think that introverts do not make great leaders. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's the main part of this show today. Absolutely. Oh, my Go. goodness. That one gets me every single time. A, a lot of it is the idea that you won't be able to be as aggressive as you need to be as a leader. And so I'm like, well, I'm pretty assertive. I don't know. I'm sure there's a time and a place where I have to get aggressive, but typically because I've embraced the art of connecting, I think, you know, we say communication all the time, but I think communication is one of those words that we just throw around sometimes. So I prefer to say connect because when you connect with people, that when we walk away from each other, we both know what it is we're going to do. We know what we just talked about. Um, we've truly connected with each other. And I think as a leader, when you start to connect with people differently, I don't think you have to be aggressive in things because you're, you're being assertive. And I'll give you an example. For my team, I have a, a team of five dynamic trainers they're all, we're all very different people, but I'm an introverted leader and I have some introverted staff on my team and I have some extroverted staff and they all train. Like we train hundreds and hundreds of people a year. So they're in front of people, extroverted or introverted, but there are certain things about each of them that I, I capitalize on because the, I know that. So I connect with each of them and I promote leadership opportunities. I have that conversation. So tell me, what what would you like to do? What interests you? What types of... So I find that the extra kind of um, certifications and tailor them to how they fit the team. So I may have one person who may be certified in mental health first aid. Um, I have one person who may be certified in um, the RAP program. So those are just additional certifications that not all the trainers will train because it just doesn't speak to the person. Like you are an amazing mental health first aid instructor. That might not be the same for one of my other instructors, but they're, they're amazing at what they're amazing at, right? So all of it is about leadership development for my team so that they can take the lead on the things that they excel in. And so I, I find that for them 
and we talk about it. So that because that's part of my job as their um, leader is to just kind of promote leadership development with them. And so when people say introverts don't make the best leaders, I always have to throw out, you know, well, you know, Barack Obama is an introvert. Right, right. Uh, we could be presidents. You know, there's so many other people who've done amazing things. And me, even though I'm not the president of, of the United States, I am just as dynamic in my own right, doing that's what right. I do in Jacksonville, <laughs> Florida, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, just being that, that's another one of those that's like, oh, come on, are we still saying that? We're trying to end that, aren't we, Deborah? We're trying to end we that. We are. David, we're going to do it. <laughs> and you know what? It's funny because I hear things like that. You know, there's this old stereotype that good leaders have to be aggressive. And I don't even think most people want that. You know, do you want someone to be aggressive? No, most people don't want someone to be aggressive. So we're all about introverts can be amazing leaders. Well, but what's different in the approach to being a great leader as an introvert? What What is different and what, what are strengths that come from your introversion as far as being a, a great leader? I would say empathy and compassion. And some, some of that specifically for me, um, just some of it, it just comes with coming from a large family, literally walking in somebody else's shoe, um, really learning, parents taught us really, how to just kind of connect with each other as a family, be concerned about something other than yourself all the time. I think as an as a leader, introverted leader, just having that empathy, because I know decisions have to be made. Yeah, we're going to make some, and, and a lot of them are tough decisions. But in that process, how often do we just kind of examine you know, where people are, but meet people where they are. Um, I'm the leader of Dynamic Five, but my my leader, she's the leader of a thousand employees. And so listening to everybody and, you know, trying to make the best decisions that's going to work for everybody, I know there are some challenges with that. But empathy, if we lead with kindness, we lead with empathy. I think that by itself changes the dynamic on our working environments. And then vision. I think it's important to be able to cast a vision. And then, you know, with leaders, you're not really a leader if nobody's can fo- nobody's gonna follow, right? So you gotta be able to cast a vision, but include people in that process so that people can feel supported, uh, even if we, cause we will, we all gonna have some different opinions and some different thoughts about it. But just including everybody, including everybody, everybody gets an opportunity to say they peace if that's what they want to do. Um, a decision will be made, but just the idea of including or, or inviting people to share their concerns and their thoughts, um, casting that vision of where we want to be as a whole, and not just like this is what I this is how I want the company to go, or this is where we're going. So I think that becomes important for a leader to have that empathy and be able to cast a vision that people are going to get on board with. A couple of things I want to ask you about that. So first, as far as creating that vision, it's definitely important to have other people involved in that. But I would say as an introverted leader, that's one of our strengths that we also take some time to deep think about ourselves and set aside that time for strategic planning and things like that. 
And definitely we need to include other people, but we have to recognize that some of the, our best work is going to be in that alone time that we give ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I completely agree. I think when, when, when you're talking about strategic planning and inclusiveness, I think a lot of times people don't really want you to have all the answers, <laughs> but they want you. They want you to come in with a framework. So at least so I can see where, oh, I can see where we're going with that. And you're right. Casting that vision is about that solitude and the stillness um, of your planning, of your um, deep thinking, and just kind of, we can see the big picture just like anybody else, but we can take the big picture and break it down into smaller details. And we go deep with that. Like we, we, we just, it's not just surface stuff. Um, and I think that just kind of enables, so if we have senior leaders, um, we start, and I think we're able to start with a big picture and then drill down a bit, but to present that to senior leadership so that we can have a discussion about, you know, what's what's best and what's not best and then how we're going to lead the rest of the team. I know some of the best ideas have come from several people's ideas, you know, in, in groups. But at the same time, I just I want people to recognize that as an introvert, I'm going to think of some things on my own and bring those to the group. But I I, I really need to do some work myself. But, you know, definitely the group is very important in, in bringing all kinds of perspectives together, also valuing our alone time as well. Oh, absolutely. I oftentimes, you know, so you want to lead by example as you're, you're, you're helping people to understand um, some of the best qualities of being an introvert. Preparing for meetings, there's always going to be an agenda the ahead of time. And on the agenda, or, or whenever the, the correspondence goes out, I also would say at least just give us a good five days before the actual meeting. Uh, if you can think of X, Y, Z, if there's anything that you've uh, been wanting to have a discussion about that we may have missed along the way, you know, let me know so that I can adjust the agenda. Uh, but I want everybody to be mindful of what the discussions will be. And the, and the meeting is not going to be, you know, for two, three, four hours. It's, it's not that kind of meeting. Um, mm -hmm. So we're going to get through our agenda, but we're also just going to leave it open for um, for you to be able to come in and share your concerns and your thoughts in that way. So I think it's important to say in the meeting, hey, we're just we're just having a discussion. I know some of the you know some of you are going to have some other additional questions, or you can have so just open it up so that people can not feel pressured to raise their hand and come up with an answer or whatever it is in the meetings, but just so that they will know that you don't have to answer that now. If you come up with something or if you think of something that we may have missed or something you want to add, then yes, come see me. Right. And we need to make that okay. And like you said, it's so important to understand both those that we work with that are introverts and those that we work with that are extroverts that have different communication styles. You know, the introvert is going to do so much better with some preparation with that agenda. So that's so important. My goal is to best prepare for the meeting and say what I need to say. But as people, that's not always going to happen. You are going to think of things after the fact, like you said, and we need to make that okay to do that. I had another guest on that, especially with the big decisions, you know, they would always 
give you all another day before we make this big decision, you know, because some people would need to process further afterwards. So. Oh, yeah. You mentioned earlier about just other, you know, MBTI and, and how we can use that. Um, just getting to know your team for team enhancement and dynamics, but just understanding those pieces to it. I, I know with some of my my team, I can send the best crafted email. I mean, I took my time with that, right? I knew. I just did it right. They're not going to read that email because that's not who they are. They will get up and come to, you know, they'll come because they need the face-to-face communication. So that communication style um, becomes really, really important when we're talking about leading. There are some people I can call you. You're not going to answer or it's going to go to voicemail. Uh, I can send you the email. You may not read that either, but you might. You might get up and come to my office and have the conversation face to face. So I have to be really mindful of that as a leader. So I took my time and I crafted this amazing email, but I know I'm going to have to go down to that person's office and say, hey, when you get a moment, check your email, but just a heads up, this is what I'm talking about. But check, you know, it goes in depth, you check it out later. And then they, and then they're good with that because we had that face-to-face conversation, uh, but they're not. And then I have those who are going to check the email as soon as I hit send. Boom. Yeah, it's open. Right, right. They can't, they can't help it. <laughs> right. It's just the way they're wired. They, and that's good. But Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I was telling you before we hit record that I just saw a clip of you talking about belonging and being inclusive. How does introversion apply to that? Understanding our workplaces and how, why introversion and our personalities are important as part of that belonging and and being inclusive conversation. I don't think people really think about introversion when they think about inclusion. We think about all the big things male, female, you know, all the big things, but we don't really think about just leadership styles are different. We don't think about the way people approach um, situations or crises or things like that. We don't necessarily think about inclusion to that degree. I know with my organization, a lot of times there's a lot of confusion. We set up these round tables, and everybody at the round table are extremely important people and they're very, very smart people, but they are not the people who do the work that you are going to make a decision about how the work should be done. If right. that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Right? So I think about introverts in that way is that it may, to not invite me to the meeting because you think that I don't have anything to contribute, that's what I'm talking about with inclusion. I'm talking about well, Deborah, Deborah don't ever say much at the meeting. Well, I may not say much at the meeting, but after the meeting, I go back and I'm able to provide or contribute in such a way that's pretty important to the meeting or to the decision that will be made as a result of the meeting. So when I say everybody wants to be included, I understand skill come into play. I understand um your ability or performance, it may come into play. But I think it's really, really important to not exclude people because you don't think that they can contribute to the decisions that need to be made. And so everybody wants to belong. 
doesn't just give me the opportunity, I say, give me the opportunity to to be a part of it. And if I choose not to, then that's on me. But give me the opportunity to be able to contribute. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, something else that I know is important to both of us is developing confidence. You know, I know some very confident introverts, but how do you develop as an introvert when it's lacking? It's it's a process. I mean, I think I think you really have to accept the fact that it's not going to happen overnight, especially when there are so many, but for different people, there's just so many things that either, you know, it, it makes me, it motivates me to move forward or it knocks me down and I don't get back up for a while. Right. So I think if you're an introvert and you lack confidence and it's something that you really want to build I think you want to create opportunities for small wins. First, you have to start, but do one thing at a time, just one thing, practice that, focus on that, and then embrace your strengths with it. Because I know as an introverted leader, I can't ever say that I hated public speaking. It's just, I didn't do it. But as an introverted leader, you have to be able to speak in public. You don't have to be a public speaker but you do have to be able to speak in public. And so some of the things that you can do, since I know that's something that I would need to be able to do, is that I can harness that skill. Um, Toastmasters. Toastmasters can be small groups. Um, the, The meetings can be small, but it gives you the opportunity to practice that particular skill that you don't feel like, feel very confident at. So I think finding those things out there, one thing at a time, to improve, do something that stretches you a little bit, both personally and professionally, and just harness that. I mean, as as an introvert, I mean, we're, we're good at planning and preparation. So you just plan and prepare to do one thing that might stretch you, that's going to build your confidence. And then celebrate your win with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I know with me, I was telling you that with public speaking, that's what I learned I needed to do as an introvert was prepare. That was my strength. When I was trying to just not do as much preparation, I definitely didn't do as well. And I was a lot more nervous. I tell you, I, I've learned in these last, since I've started doing um, speaking abroad, I am... Um, I found I found what works best for me in preparation. So I I usually I have to write the whole speech out. Like if it's a 15 minute, I have to write it all out. Once I write it all out, then I have to record it. And then as I record it, when I spend my walking time, and this is all about preparation, my walking time, my drive time, I'm listening to myself reciting the speech. And for whatever reasons, when I start doing it that way, I flow easily whenever I am speaking. And it doesn't matter of um, how many people I'm speaking in front of, as long as I've done that, that kind of, you know, ritual or so, uh, it's more free. It's not pressured at all. And I don't get, I don't get the butterflies. I mean, I get a little nervous to start with, but once I'm in it, then I'm in it. Um, but I realized that for myself, that there's a process in my preparation for speaking that's made it a lot easier to do in these last couple of years. 
Yeah. And that's key. Finding out what works. A lot of times it's going to be from an introvert perspective. What you described, everybody might not do exactly that thing, but we have to figure out our preparation and what works for us. Oh, yeah. I told my kid that, you know, because he was watching me practice. He's like, haven't you run over that a million times, Mom? <laughs> yes. And then I told him what I did. He's like, oh, my gosh, is that not overkill? Uh, and I said, well, this is the way I learn. This is the way I'm most comfortable with it. And this is the way I knock it out of the park every single time. So awesome. You can yeah, do it differently. Great. I said, you yeah. can do yours differently, but this is how I do mine. Yeah. But likely as introverts, the preparation is is the key. Deborah, this conversation has been wonderful and it's gone by so fast. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't? Oh, well, I do want to invite your listeners. I just launched my LinkedIn newsletter. It's um, the Inspired Introverted Nugget. So I published the first article um, almost two weeks ago. The second one is coming out on the 17th. So I do would love for your audience to go um, check it out and subscribe if you feel like it applies to you. Uh, And just check me out on LinkedIn mostly is where I'm at. But I'm also on the other social um, networks as D. Bell Campbell. So um, would love love to just kind of engage with more people like you and like me, David. Uh, to have these kind of conversations and we can decide um, like pinky in the brain that we're going to take over. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Okay. I'll put all that into the show notes. Thanks again for being on. This has just been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I was very excited and I'm glad that, you know, I accepted the, the invitation to come on and I'm just excited to engage with the listening audience and, you know, share, show the world who we are. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I like that. We'll take over. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to further connecting with you. Reach out at david at quietandstrong.com or check out the quietandstrong.com website, which includes blog posts, links to social media, and other items. Send me topics or guests you would like to see on the show. If you're interested in getting to know yourself better, there's now a free Type Finder personality assessment on the Quiet and Strong website. This free assessment will give you a brief report, including the four-letter Myers-Briggs code. I'll add a link to the show notes. There's so many great things about being an introvert, so we need those to be understood. Get to know your introverted strengths and needs and be strong.